This is episode 326 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's articles are Why Sugar is a Survival Staple and Hurricane Maria Death Toll, 70 Times More Than We Were Told. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey guys, just want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by my new ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. I believe that having multiple streams of income is the key to being prepared, building an emergency fund, and paying down debt. If you want to find some more information out, go to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. Hey guys, I also want to let you know that usually on the Thursday podcast, I do a conflicted. Uh, we had a ministry outreach tonight. I'm getting home really late and doing the podcast, and I'm not prepared to put uh, the conflicted scenario on Ed that matters because that just takes a little bit of time to uh, to configure that and format it and, and put it up there. So I will do that tomorrow for the Friday podcast. And so I know that there's some regulars out there who uh, like to chime in on, on the comment section on that. So uh, if you'll just uh, hang tight with me uh, another day, uh, I will have it up there on Friday for you on the Friday podcast. Uh, and so with that, let's go ahead and jump into our first article. Uh, like I said, this first article is entitled, Why Sugar is a Survival Staple? And it comes from survivalpedia.com. And, you know, we talk a lot about storing or long-term storage of food um, like rice and beans and you know you have your own dehydrated food like legacy foods and and different things like that canned foods but you know one of those things you know if it really truly was a poop hit the fan scenario eventually you would want to have something with you know that's sweet or if you are drinking coffee and you have a big supply of coffee you know you might want a little bit of sugar with that or if you are growing herbal uh you know herbal uh plants for teas and different things like that. Um, you, you might want to sweeten it. You might not have honey available. You might not have honeybees available. You might want something to, to sweeten it with. And uh, as I was reading this, I uh, back in, in fifth grade, one of my teachers read to, me, read to the whole class. We went through all the Little House on the Prairie, uh, the, the books, right? And uh, I just rem- you know, remember all those. I remember at one point, uh, they were, you know, they were storing a bunch of sugar. You know, sugar was was a big deal, and they were. I, I believe it was when not not necessarily the books that dealt with Laura Ingalls, but with her later on that she marries her husband. And I can't. It's been it's been so long ago. Can't even remember his name. But anyway, I just remember a time where they had a big, you know, like a big uh, a barrel of sugar, and they used that, and that was like a big deal for them. And so I think it would be a big deal for us as well if we were if, if we couldn't go to the grocery store anymore, if we didn't have those sugars that we normally have. I think it would be great to have some just regular sugar. And so this article talks a lot about that. So let's go ahead and start reading. If you are anything like me, there's no such thing as a crisis worth surviving if breads, cakes, and pastries are no longer available. Aside from flour, one of the most important ingredients in food is sugar. From making medicinal wines to high calorie foods that will sustain you in a time of need, 
it is very important to know how to store sugar so that you can use it in a time of need. So four reasons why sugar is a survival staple. When it comes to long-lasting supplies for your stockpile, sugar is one of the most important. Depending on the type of sugar, it can be stored away for as long as 30 years. You will also find sugar costs less and can be used for a wider variety of survival needs than other items on your list. No matter where you are just starting out to set supplies aside or if you have been doing so for years, here are some reasons to store away as much sugar as possible. It's important for basic or staple recipes. Even if you don't prepare many meals from scratch right now, you will find that sugar is in almost everything you eat. During a major social collapse, this is not likely to change. No matter whether you want to make leavened bread, pancakes, or other staple foods, sugar will be absolutely necessary. In addition, sugar is also very important for making medicinal wines from herbs that may not have enough sugar to produce sufficient fermentation. It's vital for caloric intake and energy. As you may be aware, your cells use a very simple form of sugar known as glucose for energy. When you consume foods and beverages, sugars are broken down first so that your body has the fuel required to carry out other processes. As, sugar, as such sugars are very important for every metabolic function in your body, sugars and starches also provide the highest number of calories in your diet. Other uses besides food. While food may be a primary concern, there are several other important ways to use sugar. First, as strange as it may seem, you can pour sugar on wounds to prevent them from getting infected. Honey, as a form of sugar, is especially effective in this air arena because it also contains a molecule that breaks down to form hydrogen peroxide. Since sugar doesn't dissolve well in cold water, you can use it as a short-term abrasive while washing your hands. When combined with vinegar, sugar can also be used to feed flower stems. Depending on the plant, this mixture may also accelerate root development for cuttings placed in water. Insofar as gardening, sugar can also be used to increase microbial activity, which can help get rid of nematodes. Sugar can also be used to feed insects such as butterflies. You can also use sugar as bait to trap wasps and other unwanted insects. This includes luring roaches to areas where you have baking powder, which kills roaches laying around. It's a versatile source option. Today, many people think of sugar only in terms of white granulated sugar. This sugar can be made from sugar cane or beets. Since modern brown sugar only requires the addition of molasses, you will find that granulated sugars are easy enough to make in the time after a social collapse. It will be best to focus on beets since they are easy to grow and heirloom seeds can be stored away with no problem. There are also several other important sources of sugar or sugar-like products that you can store away for a time of need. This includes maple syrup from the sap of sugar maple trees, honey, and stevia. It should be noted that stevia differs considerably from other sugar types. To begin, it is much lower in carbohydrates. It can also be difficult to locate suitable plants that will produce a sweet-tasting powder. That being said, some newer research indicates that stevia extracts may fight Lyme disease as well as, if not better, than modern antibiotics. Even if you do not cultivate stevia for use as a sugar replacement, it may be a good idea to make sure you have some on hand for managing Lyme disease. 
Sadly, in a post-crisis world, getting bit by a tick can lead to endless suffering or death if you do not have the antibiotics required to treat a possible Lyme disease infection early on. Hey guys, I will tell you that Stevia, I have tried growing it from seed. I wasn't very successful in it, uh, probably because it's just the seeds are very, very small and uh, I'm, not very, I'm not a very good gardener. But uh, I have purchased uh, the plants from actually a grocery store. That's the only place that I've been able to find it when it, you know the growing season is, is up and or starts. And uh, man, I'll tell you what, it grows. You want to pinch it off early on so it'll grow uh, out instead of grow vertically. But I'll tell you what, those leaves are very, very sweet. And so if you ever get a chance to just put one in the ground or, or one in a pot, you ought to try it because, uh, yeah, it's really sweet leaves. And then you can, you know, you can harvest the leaves and dry them out and use them uh, later on. And so if, if you were in a situation where you didn't have any kind of sugar and you wanted something sweet, those leaves would be precious, man. All right. So uh, continuing on here, different kinds of sugar and how to store them. Aside from providing a variety of taste and textures for various recipes, you will also want to store different kinds of sugar to achieve other goals. Regardless of the types of sugar you are interested in, there are some basic rules you must follow. First, sugar should always be stored away in a cool, dry location. As with many other foods, increase in temperature can increase the risk of bacterial growth. By the same token, an increase in moisture can also bring along an increased risk of fungal growth, mold, and mildew. Many people also say that you should store sugar in a dark location because darkness will supposedly inhibit bacterial growth. While this may work for some bacteria, others will thrive in a dark location. Since the bags and buckets you will store the sugar in are not likely to be light permeable, it makes little to no sense to concern yourself with the overall lighting in the storage area. Right now, there is also a considerable amount of controversy over how to store sugar so that it will last as long as possible. Sadly, just because there are more modern methods such as vacuum sealing, oxygen absorbers, and other storage products, that doesn't mean they work as well or as reliable as you would want them to be. To begin, let's have a look at vacuum sealing and oxygen absorbers. Typically, these storage methods are both used to deter the growth of bacterial organisms. They are also very useful to keep moisture from building up in the bag. Unfortunately, some of the most dangerous microorganisms do not require oxygen to grow. In particular, the bacteria responsible for botulism can easily grow and proliferate in vacuum bags and other environments where oxygen is not present. Unlike cans where you will notice swelling or other signs of contamination, it can be difficult, if not impossible, to determine if a vacuum-packed bag of food has been harboring the bacteria responsible for botulism. If you have ever done any kind of baking, then you already know that granulated sugar will melt easily enough in an oven setting. This in turn means that it is not a good idea to try an oven can this kind of sugar. By the same token, heating honey is also not a viable option because it destroys some of the most important nutrients within the honey. While it may seem very simplistic, the best way to store sugar is in large airtight buckets that can be stored in a cool dry place. Do not use oxygen absorbers or try to reduce the amount of air in the buckets. It is also very important to mark the bucket with the date you store the sugar away. Be sure to rotate your stores often and inspect the contents from time to time. As you gain experience with storing sugar, you will also gain a good idea of how to spot spoilage and avoid this problem as much as possible. 
All right, guys, I'm going to save my opinion for the very end of this uh, of this article. But I will tell you that this article, there was a lot of varying opinions in the comment section. So you might want to come check those out. Different people saying different things. You know, you have people that are like pure 100% all organic and you hear granulated sugar and, and they kind of freak out. And then other people have other opinions. And, and you know, so you have this wide spe- spectrum of, of ideas and beliefs. And, you know, I always say you really need to do your own research and you need to come up with your own ideas on it. But I'm going to share what uh, what I've done uh, when I get to the end of this article. So just FYI on that. Here are some common sugar types and how long you can expect them to last. Granulated sugar. If you buy this sugar pre-manufactured, you can expect it to last for about 30 years. Depending on how much sugar you plan to use on a weekly or monthly basis, it may be best to break the bag down into smaller amounts. Just make sure that you store the package in a place where moisture cannot get to it. If the area is too damp, the sugar will form into a hard brick. Even though you can still use the sugar for a time after it hardens, it may also be more susceptible to mold, mildew, bacterial, and fungal growth. When processing beets for sugar, do not forget to check the storage sugar often to see if you need to make changes in the storage method or container type. While granulated sugar is cheap and easy to store, it is also a bit hard on your health. Excess processed sugars consumption is associated with diabetes, weight gain, and heart disease. New research also indicates that consuming too much processed sugar can also lead to an increased risk of many types of cancer. While granulated sugar will be a necessity before, during, and after a major crisis, it will be worth your effort to work with healthier sugar options. And I'm going to say there's some things here that I just don't, you know, when when you're talking about a poop hit the fan scenario, you're going to want granulated sugar, you know, especially that it lasts 30 years. I'm not going to be so concerned with, you know, the health there. You're going to be optimal health because you're going to be working your butt off. Because you're not going to be sitting behind a desk, or it's not going to be normal if if you if the poop hits the fan. So uh, you know, I think I think you'll be okay there. But I know there's there's some people again, like I said, there's all spectrums here of people who who have their beliefs and they're like, I'd rather not use granulated sugar at all. And so the next one is honey. So they probably would gravitate more to that. And believe me, if I had honeybees, man, I would. Uh, I would love that. I mean, that would that's like the ultimate. I would love to have honeybees. Uh, we go through a lot of honey here. So uh, let's continue on here. Um, honey can be stored indefinitely as long as it's kept in an airtight jar and away from excessive moisture. It is best to keep honey away from excess heat or freezing temperatures. If you notice crystals forming on the honey, simply warm it up to get rid of this problem. While most honey on the market does not come with the honeycomb, you may want to store it as well. Aside from being edible and useful for making beeswax, the honeycomb can also extend the shelf life of honey jars that have been opened. Honey is a viable option to granulated sugar and is much better for your health. Today, more than a few preppers avoid buying large quantities of honey for their stockpile because it is expensive. On the other side of the equation, the increased concern of declining bee populations has spurred a good bit of innovation in backyard beekeeping. You can make a small-sized hive out of little more than a few mason jars and some wood. Gear for beekeepers is also readily available, as is the training in how to manage a beehive safely and efficiently. Aside from getting honey at a lower cost, you can have peace of mind knowing that you are doing something useful to help prevent a mass bee extinction. 
maple syrup. As long as you don't open the original container, it can be stored indefinitely. It will taste best if stored in a freezer and must also be refrigerated once open. Maple syrup is similar to honey in the sense that it is best stored in an airtight jar as opposed to a bucket. Smaller jars will also make it easier to avoid wasting a whole bucket if you don't use it very often. If you don't find keeping bees appealing, growing sugar maple trees may be more suitable to your lifestyle. These trees grow quickly in just about any region and will produce enormous amounts of maple syrup once the tree is mature enough to tap. All you will need is a good bucket and a means to insert a drain into the trunk of the tree. Agave. The derivative of a succulent, not a cactus, is rapidly becoming favored over corn syrup and other sugars that pose a risk to human health. Unfortunately, the shelf life of agave is only two to five years, even in the best of circumstances. You will also find it somewhat more expensive than other kinds of sugar. If you are interested in using agave as a form of sugar, you may be better served by focusing on how to grow the succulent it comes from and then determine how best to harvest it. Then stevia. There are two ways to obtain and store stevia. First, you can purchase pre-processed stevia from a number of different manufacturers. While this form of stevia is may last indefinitely, there are some growing concerns about the process used to extract the sweetener. In particular, there is very little information on the chemicals used and the long-term health impacts. While stevia extracts may be very useful for a healthy diet, they may not be such a good idea in the pre-processed form. You can also obtain stevia extracts from plants that you grow. Typically, this extract may have a shelf life of just a few years. It will be up to you to decide if you are going to store away leaves as you would other herbs or if you are going to experiment with oil infusions or other storage methods. Do not forget that vacuum bags and sealing can do more harm than good. Corn syrup. As with many other sugars, the shelf life of corn syrup is usually indefinite. While corn syrup is fairly cheap and readily available, it is also very dangerous to your health. Corn syrup is a refined sugar that puts an excessive burden on your pancreas and digestive system. If you must use corn syrup, do so sparingly. It is truly better to use some other sugar source and avoid this one as much as possible. So things you should do when storing sugar. When it comes to storing sugar, many people overlook the fact that insects, rodents, and other vermin are drawn to the smell of sugar. Even a few small drops of sugar on the floor of your storeroom can bring swarms of ants and other hungry insects. Therefore, when storing away sugar, it is very important to make sure the area is kept clean and free of anything that will offer comfort to these creatures. Try to avoid storage areas where rodents can exit and enter easily. Without a question, if these animals can get in, then insects can as well. If you store away sugar for even a few months, you can rest assured that the local insect and vermin population will eventually sniff it out. Once that happens, you will have a never-ending struggle to keep these creatures from getting into your stockpile of sugar. While you may not have to worry about liquid sugar stored in glass jars, granulated sugars can present a problem. In this case, it may not be enough to store the sugar in a plastic bucket. Instead, you may need to store the sugar in a metal can or something else that mice and other creatures can't chew through. Sadly, many people mistakenly believe mice cannot chew through plastic. Even though it may take some effort for the rodent to get started, once the plastic begins to develop an abraded surface, sharp teeth will make quick work of the rest. 
in conjunction with metal bins or pails, you will also be well served by using both animal and insect deterrents. For example, you can sprinkle peppermint or spearmint around your stockpile room to deter mice. There are also other herbs and flowers that will deter ants and other insects. Finally, as long as you can provide the electricity, sonic frequency generators can also be used to deter unwanted animals and insects. So things to avoid when storing sugar. Without a question, the worst thing you can do when storing sugar is to store it in containers with large quantities. Once you open a large bucket or bag, the sugar may only last for a few months to a year, even though it may take much longer to consume it. Buy small jars and packing materials so that you have just enough to last a month in each container. While it may take a bit more room to store sugar in smaller packages, you will find it very useful. Aside from making it easier to avoid waste, smaller packages are easier to transport. If you have to bug out, taking along two or three packages that weigh a pound each will be much easier than trying to lug around a 10 or 20 pound bucket. One of the worst things you can do when storing sugar is focus exclusively on pre-manufactured products. While these items can help you get started, you must also know how to make your own sugars and store them away safely. No matter where you choose to start with beet sugar, maple syrup, or honey, the more you can do from scratch, the better. Ideally, you should be able to do everything from plant seeds and save them to cultivate plants and process them into sugars for long-term storage. As you learn more about the fascinating uses of sugar, you may be surprised at how versatile it really is. Being able to process and store away different kinds of sugars can help you do everything from manage insect problems to heal wounds and cure infections. Knowing how to store sugar away for a long period of time will make it easier to have different kinds of sugar on hand now as well as in a time of social collapse or other extended need. Alright guys, a little bit of a longer article there but a lot of information, things to think about. Um, let's just go back to the way that uh, I store sugar. Um, the way that, and actually some somebody in the comment section said that they do it that way as well, and they don't even they don't even worry about it. Actually, one person said they just keep it on, you know, in the in the original packages on their their pantry shelf, and it's and they've done it that way for years, countless years, and it's never gone bad. The only thing that they have to protect it against is insects, and so you know, I guess they put. Uh, you know, precautions down for, for that. But anyway, the way that I do it and the way that I would recommend is in a Mylar bag in a plastic bucket. Just don't put the oxygen absorbers in there because you don't want to lose all the oxygen and then it can form a brick. And I never heard, you know, in the article it talked about mold and, and uh, botulism and all that kind of stuff. I've never read that before. This is the first article that I've ever kind of read about, um, you know, sugar doing that. Um, but I did always hear that you shouldn't put oxygen absorbers because then it will cause it to really form like a brick. And then you still use it. You would still just, you would have to chip away at it before you can, can really, um, it wouldn't be granulated. You would have to chip away at it and crush it and all that kind of stuff. And, but I think if you are saving, you know, granulated sugar, and you're putting that in a Mylar bag inside of a five-gallon bucket, then you seal it up, and then you seal the bucket up, then I think you're going to be good there. And so, uh, you know, like I said, that was other recommendations here in the comment section. So something to think about there, because if you are storing 
uh, your, your staples, right? If you maybe you have some, um, maybe you have some uh, rice and beans, maybe you have some some wheat berries. Uh, and, you know, you're going to want a little bit of sugar to uh, to go along with that. Eventually, you might want that. So anyway, go check that out at survivalpedia.com. Our next article, actually, you know, when I read the articles on the website, it's usually uh, a couple of days older than when I've posted them on Prepper website. Uh, this one's only a day old, so I posted this one on Prepper website last night. But I do want to read it because it's talking about Hurricane Maria, uh, or the Hurricane Maria death toll is 70 times more than what we were told. And that's a big, big number. I'm going to read about it here. And this isn't a very long one. But at the same time, uh, as I was, you know, going through articles today to uh, to prepare, uh, there was a video that came across my feed on Facebook, and uh, it was about the, the situation in Puerto Rico and how bad people have it. And so I found the original because I think I was in a group. I think I was in uh, um, Dale Goodwin's um, group, and uh, so you can't share out of there. So I tracked down the original. And I wanted to share it on the Facebook group, uh, you know, so other people could see it as well. And, uh, you know, or at least, you know, the, the Prepper website Facebook group could see it as well. Because I think that's significant. Because when the poop hits the fan, um, there is a lot of things that go into it. And the government is over there. And people are over there. And, and, but they're taking care of the people that are in the big cities. And there's still people that are living. I mean, come on. It's just, it's crazy. So if you get a chance... Uh, go check out that video, uh, and I might even, if I can, uh, link to it. I will link to it so you can check it out. But uh, you know, very, very curious thing here, and so it's a very quick read. Let's go ahead and get into it. It's coming to us from theorganicprepper.com. So Daisy has uh, reported on this one, and again, Hurricane Maria death toll seventy times more than we were told. So let's go ahead and start reading. The official death toll in Puerto Rico from Hurricane Maria is only 64 people. With the devastation wrought last September by the powerful storm, many people questioned the veracity of that number, and it looks like they may have a good cause. A new report from the New England Journal of Medicine puts the number at 70 times more than that they estimated, that 4,645 people perished due to the hurricane and say that this is a very conservative estimate. Quantifying the effect of natural disasters on society is critical for recovery of public health services and infrastructure. The death toll can be difficult to assess in the aftermath of a major disaster. In September 2017, Hurricane Maria caused massive infrastructure damage to Puerto Rico, but its effects on mortality remains contentious. The official death count is 64. Using a representative stratified sample, we surveyed 3,299 randomly chosen households across Puerto Rico to produce an independent estimate of all causes of mortality after the hurricane. Respondents were asked about displacement, infrastructure loss, and causes of death. We calculated excess deaths by comparing our estimated post-hurricane mortality rate with official rates for the same period in 2016. Our results indicate that the official death count of 64 is a substantial underestimate of the true burden of mortality after Hurricane Maria. Our estimate of 4,645 excess deaths from September 20th 
through December 31, 2017, is likely to be conservative since subsequent adjustments for survivor bias and household size distribution increase this estimate to more than 5,000. These adjustments represent one simple way to account for biases, but we have made our data publicly available for additional analysis, end quote. That's certainly an astonishing difference from the official report, isn't it? The NEJM says that the interruption of medical care was the primary cause of additional deaths. People with chronic illness, those who were injured, and folks who became ill after the hurricane were unable to access the basic care that would have ordinarily saved them. Quote, Growing numbers of persons have chronic diseases and use sophisticated pharmaceutical and mechanical support that is dependent on electricity. Chronically ill patients are particularly vulnerable to disruptions in basic utilities, which highlights the need for these patients, their communities, and their providers to have contingency plans during and after disasters, end quote. Those surveyed reported the following health system issues, the inability to access medications, the need for respiratory equipment requiring electricity, closed medical facilities, absent doctors, and the inability to reach 911 services by telephone. Interruption of utilities was another cause. Residents went for a long period of time without electricity, cell service, and running water. Many of the survey respondents are still without utilities. Waterborne illnesses have been rampant. The NRDC website reports, quote, Our patients still lack access to potable water. Even now, they are presenting with illnesses related to drinking water contamination at greater rates than doctors were seeing prior to Hurricane Maria. These diseases include gastroenteritis, conjunctivitis, and dermatological conditions such as dermatitis, scabies, and pediculosis. Some of our patients have tested positive for shigellosis. Since Maria, we have also seen several cases of leptospirosis, a relatively rare bacterial infection in humans commonly transmitted by allowing fresh water that has been contaminated by animal urine, often from rats, to come in contact with the skin, eyes, or with the mucous membranes. This condition usually causes heart failure, kidney failure, or liver failure, and most sufferers die if they are not treated quickly. Waterborne diseases are still present as a significant health risk to our patients six months after Maria, end quote. And that's a, just a great example of why you want to have a good family water filter there in, you know, in case of something like this and uh, being able to have a closed off system. So water preparedness is probably the most important prep you can undertake in the event of a long-term disaster like this one. The Puerto Rican government refuses to release further statistics. Officials in Puerto Rico have not released mortality data since December 2017, and it appears that all requests for this data have been denied. It is incredibly important from a preparedness point of view to have an accurate death toll as well as an accounting of the pre prevalent cases of the deaths. Without that data, future responses will suffer. The NEJM article concludes, quote, as the United States prepares for its next hurricane season, it will be critical to review how disaster-related deaths will be counted in order to mobilize an appropriate response operation and account for the fate of those affected, end quote. So here's what preppers can learn. In a long-term disaster, you cannot depend on 911. 
you should be asking yourself these questions. What necessary medical devices do I have and how will I run them without power? CPAP, respirators, etc. Do I have enough water and filtration supplies? Do I have enough emergency food? Do I have a way to cook off the grid? Do I have additional fuel for my cooking method? Can I take care of my family medically if the healthcare system collapses? If you're anything like most Americans, you may find that you have some work to do before the next series of natural disasters roll around. All right, so uh, guys, that is it there. And uh, like I said, a shorter article, but one that just really gets you thinking, uh, you know, the government hiding the real statistics and why would they want to do that? You know, I just, I, I don't know. Uh, but there's a, that's just crazy to think about all that destruction that's going on. So uh, I am going to try to link to that video as much as possible so you can go check it out. I think it's about a maybe about 15, 20 minute video if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but if not, then it's over at the Prepper website Facebook group, which you can very easily become a member if you're not just by going to uh, theprepperwebsitepodcast.com and clicking on you know Facebook group and you can go over there and uh, you know we'll as soon as you uh, click the join button yeah we'll we'll get you in there so that you can be a part of that community really proud of that community and the people that are there a lot of wisdom represented so uh, if you're not a part of it I welcome you to come over and uh, if you you know if you are already on Facebook you can go over to uh, just the Prepper website Facebook page and link to it from there as well. All right, guys. Well, that is it for episode 326 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.